0: This is the Create Yourself Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Create Yourself Podcast. Today's a little bit of a change of pace. Um, This is a recording from an an interview that I did on my friend Tommy Clark's podcast. It's the uh, T. Clark Nutrition Podcast. Um, I was super humbled. He asked me to come on, and and, and we talked a lot about uh, all sorts of different subjects. We touched on um, programming for CrossFit, um, the mindset of, in, involved in training, best nutrition practices around CrossFit training, um, advice for new co- CrossFit athletes or competitive CrossFit athletes. Um, it was a great conversation. I, I love this. This is one of the um, first couple times that I've been interviewed, and it was awesome to, to just be a part of another show uh, and to, to be on the other side of the microphone. Oftentimes, I get stuck on the other side. Um, just asking the question so it's it was a good change of pace to be on the other side and um, I'm really happy with how this interview turned out so happy in fact that I wanted to share it on my own show um, now go ahead and do me a favor before we get in as always um, I'm always trying to grow this show I want to make sure that I can reach more people I want more people to get their hands um, on some quality information that isn't um, biased in any way or isn't uh, you know driven by any uh, particular you know, motive or anything like that. So go ahead and do me a favor. Uh, I want you to take a screenshot with your phone and post it on your Instagram story. Go ahead and tag both uh myself and Tommy in it. He is at T Clark Nutrition and I am at the CF7C coach. And then before you uh jump into the show, go ahead and head on to iTunes. Give me a five-star rating and review. Um, guys, that's how we grow the show. That's how I reach more people. Uh, and, and getting more people's ears here so uh, without any further ado I'm gonna go ahead and bring myself on here uh, with my friend Tommy and I'll talk to you guys next week
1: all right and we're back I have the man Cody Smith here with me what's going on Cody hey what's going on man how are you good how are you thank you for coming on the show I'm excited for this episode absolutely should be a good one of course man so as we're getting into it just uh, give the listeners an idea of who you are what you do how you got into the CrossFit space like all that good stuff
0: yeah, so um, uh, obviously my name is Cody Smith. I am uh, a, I guess at one time a Washington-based CrossFit coach. Um, I kind of found my way into training. Uh, I guess you could say after I got out of the Navy. Got out of the Navy was doing the whole like typical bro split thing. I was working out at the base gym uh, out in Norfolk, Virginia. Found my way onto my first Navy ship. And then there was just this big group of guys that were always training, always doing all kinds of cool stuff. And then one day they were down in the, uh, the hangar bay on the ship that I was attached to and, uh, come to find out they were doing like MMA and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So found my way, started doing some of the Brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff on the boat, getting choked out by all these really small Marines and stuff like that. I didn't know how I liked that too much, but I uh, got back in port after that deployment and, uh, essentially found my way into my first martial arts gym. And then, uh, that led me into doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, led me into doing uh, Muay Thai, eventually got into amateur mixed martial arts. Did that, had a little bit a little of success, my first fight or two, but uh, I was fighting as a light heavyweight. You know, I'm six foot five at the time, two, maybe 218, 219, and okay. I was just getting thrown around by these massive light heavyweight guys. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm thumbing through uh, Muscle and Fitness magazine. Because bicep curls and, and dumbbell bench is not working the way it should be, uh, not for that sport, anyways. Uh, found my way into a CrossFit article by a guy named uh, Andy Petronik, and uh, he had listed you know all the essential like original CrossFit benchmark workouts. Did one, hated it. Went back to doing like your typical bro split stuff. Still getting tossed around by these guys at the MMA gym, uh, you know. And I and I wanted to really push this fighting thing to the the fullest, and uh, yeah. getting tossed around by these guys. Uh, so obviously led me back into like, Oh, maybe I'll give this crossfit thing another shot. Uh, so started doing it again and I don't know exactly what changed. I don't know if I just did the right workout or something like that, but, uh, my, my, I guess my perspective on it completely shifted. Uh, and then started doing that a lot to supplement my MMA fighting. Then I started crushing guys. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I always joking. I'm like, I'm a retired has been MMA fighter, but I was 10 and I as an MMA fighter and I was smashing dudes like, um, and I fully attribute it to CrossFit at the time just because, you know, obviously I'm six foot five, so that helps too. But um, I was doing really, really well. I was in really good shape all the time. Got done with MMA fighting. You know, I had my first son. Um, found my way into another competitive aspect of something, right? So started doing yeah. the CrossFit thing for a long time. Did that for years and years and years and years, uh, which led me to opening a gym. Uh, I've been running my gym now for coming up on about nine years. And uh, I've been coaching um, probably a little over, probably about 10 years now. And here we are, man. Now I'm uh, running the gym full time. Uh, Just opened up my jujitsu, my own personal jujitsu gym. Staying away from the MMA stuff. I don't know that I can get back into it. My wife would probably be really upset if I were to try to get back into it again. (laughs) Um, But now just running the business, ventured into some online stuff now, and um, fully engulfed in in, in running a gym and running a fitness business.
1: Yeah, dude, that's awesome. And something I wanted to talk about on this on this episode was just some like really common mistakes you see being made in the in the CrossFit space when it comes to okay. programming, when it comes to nutrition, recovery, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's something really important to be talked about, because there are a lot of mistakes being made out there. And just so people can be made aware of them and like, be aware that that's even happening and like what they can do to actually to fix that and make sure they're doing things the right way. So like in your in your own career, like what were what were some mistakes that that you made along the way that you can think of?
0: Um, I think I took CrossFit too literally, right? When it first came out, it was, you know, the whole, the whole prescription is constantly varied functional movement, right? So it's all about, um, you hear constantly varied, and uh, it, if you don't do it correctly, it just ends up being random. So I think, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, something that started early on was, um, it was just completely random stuff, which for, for a lot of people that can work, but for most people, it's not going to work well. So the complete randomness of the workouts and, um, it, dude, when I started this whole thing, like coaching was not where it is now. Right. So you, you had these high skill movements like snatch, clean and jerk, squat, deadlift, all these things that are going on and you're doing it fatigued. So that in the yeah. rant with the random exercises, uh, the, the random workouts, like, um, it was just a recipe for disaster. So I think, uh, the, the big thing that has changed is realizing that like, CrossFit has some of these negative things. Like it it has some of that randomness to it, but it also has this really good part. So, um, I think if you take into consideration that like, it's not actually random, but it is varied in a way and you do that, right. It can work really, really well.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's, that's, I mean, that's one of the biggest things that I've seen like in the, in the, uh, the short few weeks that I've been like, going to crossfit class actually i just got started into it 19.5 oh, <laughs> was my first workout so that was that was quite the welcome um but yeah i've been i've been playing basketball like for the past like decade and i decided to stop this past year so i finally had time to get crossfit to go but like, in my short time doing it i've definitely noticed that it's like it's really hard it's been really hard for me to kind of pinpoint like what do i even need to work on like what do like, where do i even start like there's so many skills there's so many things to do So like, of course, it's very individual, but for someone just getting started and maybe not from like ground zero, like just walking in off the street, but maybe like an athlete or someone who wants to get back into the competitive side of things and decides to pick up CrossFit and maybe wants to compete someday, where would be like a good starting point? Like, how do you even organize that? Because there's so many skills that need to be learned, whether it's gymnastics or Olympic lifting or conditioning, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. So you, you made a good point about, like uh, you mentioned that if a person was coming in off the street um, to compete, right. So something that people get twisted when they come into to my gym or, or, or people that I program for is like, um, we can take a CrossFit type methodology and we can point it any way that we want to, any way that we want to point it, but it's important that you come in the gym knowing what you want. So how yeah. I would program or, um, direct somebody who is just coming into the gym to, you know, to a setting like my gym and they want to come in and just get in shape. The direction that I take them within, I mean, we have like so many different paths at my gym. We have individual design, we have semi-private, we have small group personal training, we have our group training, uh, there's nutrition coaching, like it's all in there. So there's, there's so many different paths. So if you come in with a path and you want to get, uh, you just want to look good naked and live a long time, well, I'm going to send you on uh, just probably the, the general track that 90% of the people that walk in my doors. Somebody comes in that wants to compete, Well, now there's a, diff- a different conversation that needs to happen. The conversation is usually like, uh, are, are you prepared to train long hours? Are you prepared to um, do things that you don't like? Are you aware of the risks that come with it? Because you mentioned like there's tons of skills, there's tons of lifting, there's all these different energy systems that we have to train. It's important that you come in the gym and uh the 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 coach that you speak with you have this conversation like hey if you want to compete there are these risks involved um, that we need to go over first that's the first place i'm going to start with somebody is just a crucial conversation of what are we actually getting into what does that entail especially now that i've seen you know from the games level all the way down to a new person coming in the gym um that's probably the first place i'm going to start from there we're just going to set some baselines like we got to see where your strength base is, where's your mobility? Um, where, like, where is your conditioning at? Because obviously there's enough data out there now to where I can compare what, uh, the people that are actually being competitive, um, what they're actually able to do versus somebody just coming in the door. So we can take, we can start setting these benchmarks and assessing the person and seeing like, Hey, where are you at? Um, but I'm gonna be honest with you. Out of uh, the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that I trained the, the, the thing across the board that most people are missing is going to be their strength and their skills. So we would just set up a plan to like, Hey, we need to develop um, things like strict ring dips. And I'm sure you've seen this in your time through also, right? Um, Strict ring dips, strict pull-ups, shoulder flexion, picking up some of all these gymnastic skills that you have to be able to do working on your base strength. Like sometimes I won't even start, like we won't even do any Olympic lifting first. You just do a straight up powerlifting program and let's get your base strength up first before we even do anything. Um, and then, with all that strict gymnastics work, all the skill work, all the um, all the strength training on top of that, we're going to start building the aerobic base because that's the beginning of every single thing. Um, and, and obviously, you can see how this can get completely individualized versus somebody for coming to sure. the gym because um, I'm not going to go through all of these all of these different paths for somebody coming in the gym just wanting to get in shape because. Uh, if I'm being honest for 90% of people, that doesn't really matter. Like they want to come in they want to yeah. lose body fat. They want to, um, get out of pain. They want to have a great workout. You can get that in the group train, but it's going to be a, a much, a much longer route. And we have to make sure that we develop a person because if not, I'm just going to run them into injury. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's. Completely individualized, but it, you know, if you had a gun in my head. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make somebody a lot stronger. We're going to work on their skills. We're going to work on their gymnastic strength, um, and I'm going to build their aerobic base because if you don't have an aerobic base, it doesn't matter what sort of cool, crazy CrossFit workout. Like most people think, that competitive CrossFit is like put you on a assault bike and hammer you with numerous calories and do some burpees and then do some of uh, the barbell skill work. But that's not it because I can't build on top of that. I can build on top of a, of a uh, an aerobic base, but um, yeah, I won't even get into, obviously we'll sprinkle in some intensity in there uh, of course, but, um, uh, the majority of our work is going to be spent in the aerobic base and then we're just going to build that strength skills and then, uh,
1: gymnastics. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, you had mentioned like some of the risks that are involved in competing in CrossFit and that sort of thing. What are some things that you could do in your programming to kind of mitigate as many of those risks as possible? Of course, there's always the risk of injury, but like, what are, what are some things that maybe you don't see a lot of people doing? That they should be doing in terms of um, programming, or nutrition, or recovery, or stuff like that—that that they can do to kind of mitigate as much injury risk as possible and go about it in, this, in a smart way.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, I'll tell you what what I did wrong, and then we'll kind of reverse okay. engineer that a little bit. So, yeah. um, what I did wrong was I did too much. I didn't eat enough. I didn't sleep enough, and I didn't take the things outside of the gym um, as important as I should have. So. Um, that being said, if, if there were some things to mitigate that, um, I think more coaching needs to be involved. For instance, like all of my competitive athletes now, like they have uh, a line of communication to me and we have these conversations. Like um, we, I'm sure if you've been in the CrossFit gym for any period of time now, you'll see the competitors, like their rest day, they're coming in and they're still doing a workout. They're still doing something that's like busting their body up more. Um, And then (laughs) until recently, like a high majority of those people aren't even tracking their foods. They're not, they don't know what they're putting in their body. So um, that's, that's something that we have completely changed with uh, what we do with competitive athletes. So making sure that they're taking their recovery days seriously, um, not coming in the gym and doing a low intensity workout
1: Um, recovery.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then making sure that they're fueling their bodies, right? Because, you know, athletes are always guilty of coming in the gym, beating a snot out of themselves um, going home and some of them, you have full-time jobs to where like they're, you know, working a 12 hour day, sleeping four hours a night, coming in the gym, trying to get their two days in. So, um, I think more coaching and, and better conversations. Uh, of course there's protocols you can do, like you can make sure you have good activation protocols. You can make sure that, um, people's macros are correct. You can say, Hey, you know, get your eight hours of sleep every night. But I think the overarching theme is going to be uh, crucial conversations between the coaches. Uh, between you and your coach, making sure that you're uh, not doing too much because um, across the board, that's what all competitive athletes do. They do way too much in the gym. They're beating the snot of yeah. themselves way too much. So um, I think doing less, making sure you're having conversations with your coach about the plan um, and then just taking your time with it. Like it, especially the change in the atmosphere now with the, the whole competitive sphere of CrossFit, like, you know, the amount of people that are going to the next level, let's be honest to get there. It's going to take years. For, for most people that are coming in the day and age of coming into uh, the competitive CrossFit like, era or the credit, the competitive CrossFit sphere and jumping right into and making regionals or making the games, that's done. It's not happening anymore. Now it's actually going yeah. to take time to develop before you can even get to that level anyways. For sure. So I'm not, I'm sorry if I didn't answer your question, but I, I did, that's such a broad thing. And yeah. um, I think ultimately, like it goes down to coaching. If, if you're a good coach, like I, I fancy myself a fairly decent coach. Like if, if I'm gonna do my athletes a good service and I'm gonna make sure they're getting, um, they're doing the things they need to do, it's all gonna come down to the conversation, me relaying the plan and then um, telling them things that they don't wanna hear. So sometimes like, this is gonna take a long time. It's not gonna happen you know, in a week or a month or a year. We're looking like, can we get you there in three to four years, maybe even five years? Are you willing to take that amount of time um, to develop yourself because I don't want to do, I don't want to give you everything you say, or I don't want to give you everything that you think you want now to injure you. And then you can't, uh, you know, using myself as an example, a few years after, into the competitive CrossFit atmosphere, like I couldn't tie my shoes, like my too much pain, my back, my hips, everything hurt so badly. Um, because I was doing it on my own. I didn't yeah. have a coach like, Hey dude, slow down somebody outside of me to making, to making sure and holding me accountable to the recovery stuff that I needed to do.
1: For sure. No, that's so important. Recovery is definitely across the board and all athletes, whether it's CrossFit, whether it's basketball, football, soccer, everyone wants to be in the gym like 24-7 365. Like, because mm-hmm. they think we've been conditioned to believe like, oh, more is better. You got to always be training. Like if you're not training, your competition is, and like you're, you're being lazy or stuff like that. And how do you, how do you have those conversations? Like with athletes who have been like, essentially brainwashed with this belief of they need to be in the gym. They need to be working. They need to be grinding. Like what does that conversation look like between the two of you? Uh, I just, I mean, I
0: come from a place of uh, educating them, right? So um, you you can, you can listen to the foo-foo stuff that the world is telling you, or you can read, you can, you can read and you can learn what the, the the guys in the lab are telling you. Like it actually does not work. The people that we see that are doing all the things that we think, you know, you got your, uh, your fronings and all these big time names that are out there doing it. Right. Um, there's a couple of things that they're leaving out. They're leaving out the fact that most of them, and I'm not going to say all of them because they're all really hard workers. You know, I was around them. I get it. Um, most of them had some sort of base first, like we talked about in the beginning. Yeah. Um, they probably had some genetics that were on their side. Um, and then the important thing to consider is like, they, I don't care what anybody says. I've seen what a games athlete does. They're not killing themselves in the gym all day, every day. It's not yeah. They're. It's like, you know, it's like, um, uh, doing batting practice for a baseball player. They're just taking practice swings. They're just hitting batting practice. Some of those workouts that they do, um, you know, when like a, a mere mortal, like you or I do that workout, uh, if we do something similar to what these guys are doing, we're going to be dead laying around on the floor, yeah, hyperventilating, try not to pass out. They're going to do it. They're going to get up, walk around, high five, everybody, go drink the recovery, shake, be out the door, go home, take a nap, you know? So, um, I think if we paid more attention to, um, what is actually real versus what is being said, um, and, and you're seeing it now, a lot of these other athletes are talking about the importance of, um, not killing yourself every day, doing the things you need to do at the gym. A lot of them are getting these nutrition sponsors now or getting these, um, Uh, nutrition coaches so you're starting to see an emergence of that but um for years and years when i was coming up it was like how many workouts can i do and hammer myself um how can i try to do something all day every day and not do what i need to do outside of it so um again this is always going to come back to coaching especially finding a coach who's been there and done that um and then trying to cut through some of the bs and look at what um is evident or which it what is evidence and scientifically supported versus what people with good genetics are saying.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And you, you mentioned nutrition there, like from, let's see, where was I was going to go with that. Like as far as, as far as nutrition, like what are some really common mistakes that you'd be you, you, see, you, you uh, see being made like among CrossFit athletes that you see, or just like in general, like um, definitely like say, stuff like that.
0: Right. So I would say we could take that two ways. Number one, uh, I think people over supplement. I think people okay. take all the, you know, all the, anything that says it's going to help them recover. They go in yeah. and they do that. Right. Um, and I think the other way is, I mean, you started to hit on it too, is the under eating thing. Like, um, I, you know, until probably within the past couple of years, I using again, myself as an example, like I under ate and then uh, there was even a period of time when I tried to do the paleo thing and compete. Dude, I did the pale- I did the paleo diet in the middle of my basketball season.
1: worst thing i could have done
0: i don't even know how i could survive without my three or 400 carbs every day back like when i got my nutrition right and the difference that i felt um but i think a common mistake is probably over supplementing um over taking in the whole foods that you need to every day um and then uh, a lot of them are guilty of not even tracking their food like i i just have this opinion that if you are a competitive athlete um competitive now obviously there's there's some freaks that can get away with it like I think you're going to have to track your food to some extent, maybe periods of the year you can eat more intuitively and you can, um, especially if you've tracked before and you're aware of like portion sizes and stuff like that. But, um, I think across the board, people don't track their food enough or don't track it closely enough. Yeah. Cause like, you know, a lot of them get away with just being really good athletes already, but I'd always make that argument. Like, what if that nutrition can make you like one to 5% better? You know, what you're trying to do that one to 5% better is a huge difference. Um, so I think paying more attention to their nutrition um, and then stopping with all the supplements and, and again, going with, is, going, going with what is actually supported by science is a good place to start.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And I, I'm definitely on the same boat with you as far as the, uh, the food, like the tracking and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of for like intuitive eating and all this stuff. And like, if you're in a place where you're competing at a very high level, like you have to be like precise with what you're taking in. Right. Like you said, that little margin of error can not determine whether or not you win an event or whether or not you win a competition. And when you're at that level, you have to be that precise. Like, sure. And this is one of like the most difficult things to communicate to athletes, especially ones that are already really gifted to begin with, that they, don't, they might not necessarily see from the outset, like, oh, I need this. Oh, this is going to help me a ton. But it's like communicating to them that, yeah, you're good now, but imagine if you were just a little bit better like if you had this in place that that's super important. Um, what do you say that most of like the competitive athletes that you coach are, are tracking their food in some way?
0: Um, I, I, I would say now a lot of them are. Yeah. Um, but again, uh, CrossFit's kind of catching up like, um, For sure. and, it, and it kind of sucks because it is changing so much, but a lot of the pitfalls that we're seeing are changing. I mean, me as a coach simply like, I, I like, yeah, I'm, I coach CrossFit primarily, but, um, I've actually started to blend a lot outside of that because um, there's so much more out there and you just get in that zone where you, you focus solely on that one thing. Um, I think for the most part, a lot of the athletes are starting to track more closely and starting to take it a little more seriously. Um, but majority of the ones that are doing it at the highest level uh, are very aware of what they're putting in their body. Uh, you know, that there's several of them out there's a couple of them that work with other companies that are pretty, pretty well known. Right. And they, um, they, they have nutrition coaches now. They're so aware of it. Um, but that's quickly changing. You're seeing the people who aren't doing it, you're seeing them start to do it too.
1: For sure. And you, you touched on supplements also and how a lot of athletes tend to over supplement because they're, they think that's going to be like the magic thing that like helps them recover better. So I have two questions based off of that. So first of all, like what are some things that people can do to just recover, like without having to rely on all these supplements and recover properly. Uh, we already, we already kind of touched on a, a couple of things like taking that rest day and making sure you're eating enough stuff like that. Um, and then also like, what are some of the supplements that you have found to be like actually helpful and actually worth, um, worth taking for athletes trying to, trying to compete and just helping with recovery that, or performance to actually like do something meaningful?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that there was two questions in there, right? So the first one was, yeah. um, uh, what are some supplements they should take? And then the first one, and then the second one was, what should they not take? Was that kind of what you went with that?
1: The the first one was like, what are, what are some things, um, besides the supplementation that'll actually, that'll help their recovery and, um, help them bounce back without having to rely on all these supplements that they think are going to be like the magic thing that, uh, that makes or breaks their recovery. And the second one was, what are, what are some supplements that, uh, that are beneficial?
0: Okay. So outside of supplements, I think people should pay more attention to the quality of their sleep their sleep hygiene, um, their morning routine. And it, these all seem, seem like simple things like, Oh, everybody's talking about that now, but everybody's talking about it because nobody's doing it. Exactly. So, um, I think outside of supplements, if you are uh, so let's, let's touch on sleep hygiene. Like, so are you going to bed? Or is your, is your room completely black? Is it completely dark at night? Do you chill on your phone before you go? Like we're all in the gram scrolling before bed. Like I'm not anymore, <laughs> but like, Um, we were all guilty of it at some point in time. Um, but that blue light in your eyes before you go to bed is the worst thing you can do because you need to de-stress because you're going to stress your body out all day long the next day when you go train. Um, so I think taking your sleep, uh, primarily, uh, sleep above all is important and everybody's saying it, nobody's doing it. So, um, sleep is so important. Take that more seriously. Try to get your seven, eight hours in, um, making sure your sleep hygiene is very, very good before that. Um, Having a good morning routine, like getting up first thing you do in the morning, getting some water in you before you go to the coffee and you de- dehydrate yourself some more, like making sure you're getting some water in, having some good breakfast with proteins, carbs and fats. Um, that's probably a good place to start outside of supplementing on top of the things sure. you touched on already. Um, I mean, you, it, <laughs> some people push the meditation thing and it works. For, I've found that with my athletes, it works for some, it doesn't for others um, with supplementing things that probably work above all that I've seen work with athletes and any other clients that I've worked with is your basic like whey protein. It's a must. We beat that horse dead a thousand percent by now. Like everybody needs to know, like you need to have a, a whey based supplement. Um, some part of your regimen and your nutrition, if you're a competitive athlete, um, creatine is another good place to stop at. I've seen some people get a lot of success out of using like beta alanine and stuff like that. But, um, that's one of those like optional things that you can go into yeah. just because there's some stuff that says that it buffers lactic acid and stuff like that, which is important when you're a performance athlete doing a sport, especially like CrossFit. For sure. Um, I'm actually not a big fan of pre workout. I don't know why people would, would um, supplement themselves with something that's going to potentially raise their heart rate before they're about to raise their heart rate. Um, I think you yeah. should do that organically through your warm up and through a good workup, but. Um, that's probably the play what I that's what I recommend to my clients and what I would recommend to anybody who's listening to this
1: wanting to do the same thing okay cool cool and you had mentioned that you you took an athlete to the CrossFit Games I mean, I'm curious to hear like being there what was like were there any like things that you saw that just kind of like blew your mind you're like how is this happening at this level or like anything that you saw that was just kind of crazy to you I'm, I'm just I'm curious to hear, <laughs> if you saw anything.
0: Dude, if you have any games athletes listening to this, they're going to be so pissed. Um, It's a, it actually ruined my perspective on competitive CrossFit. Really? Because, yeah, so for years and years, I idolized all these people, like all of these different coaches, all of these different athletes. Like, oh, they're so great. They're so amazing. They get to do all this cool stuff. I want to be there with them. Um, And then I get there with them and I feel sorry for them. Because, and here's why. So I, I say that it's a very empty, hollow place. Because for a lot of them, um, that's their life. Their life is training. You know, they don't have yeah. a really good relationship. And I'm going to say a lot of them, like, on the surface, this is what it appears as. Because for sure. um, of how, it, how a lot of them came off to me in person versus what they put out. Um, so it seems like the, the, the CrossFit Games in training is who they are. That's what they define themselves as, is as a CrossFit Games competitor. But outside of that, it seems like it's very empty, right? Because you'd have people walk up, they'd be like, hey girl, how's it going on yet? And they walk away and be like, I do not like her. And it was just like, oh my gosh, like that's, <laughs> that's happening in front of my face about two athletes that I've, I've followed forever, right? Um, yeah. And then the, you come to this realization that um, a lot of them have, like they put their happiness on an outcome that they're chasing because they're not really like they're looking for a uh, uh, Quran actually says this all the time. And I love it is that they're looking for an external fix for an internal problem. So their external fix is like getting to the cross the games and winning and, and, and doing well. Um, but if, even for some of them that are there and are doing that, they're still unhappy. Like they're yeah. still not happy with what they, um, where they are in their life. And it's very apparent when you're there and you're with these people all the time. Um, and it, it just kind of let me down some of the coaches that would preach about how important it is to like be there for your athletes and to support them and to do this, that, and the other. And then you see uh, a coach that you look up to and one of their athletes is doing terrible and he throws up his hands and he walks off the course, his athletes still competing. You know what I mean? Or like, yeah. one, I'm about to go on a rant. So, or one oh. coach that has several athletes, um, That he clearly is favoring one of them over all of them, and he'll go to all of their heats, but not to their other heats. Mm -hmm. And it drove me crazy because it's fake. Like if you really care about your athletes, like people consume your content and they care about like the things that you put out, and they live on every word that you say. Yeah. And you're not living it. It's fake. So when I was there and to see that, um, it, it just blew my mind. A lot of them are broke. A lot of them like if they do terrible at the, the games for a year, they lose sponsorship. They're, they're down to, to no money. You know what I mean? Like, it's just this. Yeah. When I say hollow and empty is because that's what it appears to me. And that's what it appeared to me. It ruined my entire perspective on, um, the games because, and this isn't all of them. There's still some, like, I met some amazing people while I'm there. Don't make me, don't make, don't let me sit here and think like, I'm just this angry guy that like, um, that just had this terrible experience. <laughs> had a yeah. experience. But, um, what what it was versus what it is uh, perceived as is complete and utter garbage, and I was really let down. It, it was hard to be there, rubbing coaches with, or rubbing elbows with coaches that I looked up to forever, and to see um, how fake and how much of a facade it was. And then um, to see they they glorify the games as this, this great thing, um, and it is for a lot of people, um, but, but for most of them that's it. That's all they have. And when you realize that like, you know, when, especially this year when they changed the entire setting of how this thing works, some of them probably had to do some soul searching to like, what do you define yourself as? Like, are you just this one thing? Does that define you? Do you have something outside of that? Because if you don't, you're in trouble because now you have to do that, that really uncomfortable inside work versus the outside stuff that you get to, you know, completely like, um, what's the word I'm looking for you can completely like muffle the, the the inner problems that you have through your social media outlets and through your competitive endeavors. So like, yeah, it, it's funny you asking that question because I had that pretty often when somebody's like, what, did, what, what do you think about your games experience? Was it awesome? I was like, no, it's terrible. Um, yeah. Just because it, it just wasn't what I thought it would be. And yeah. you know, um, <laughs> I was there with a girl, um, uh, my girl that came up through this uh, entire crazy journey with me, like she, she started with me. She was a retired gymnast. Um, she did gymnastics in college. Um, you know, when I first met her, she actually worked out my garage before I ever had a gym. And I was like, you'd be good at this. You should continue doing it. And it's funny because like her husband was the one that was chasing the competitive thing.
1: Um,
0: you know, a few years down the road, like she's just spanking the both of us. Like, you know, she's (laughs) everything that you see in a competitive athlete. Right. And, um, you know, she made it to the next level. And when we got there, I was just kind of like, wow, like, it's not what I expected.
1: Yeah, no, that's super important. that You touched on that, though, because like if you look on like social media, or like those documentaries on Netflix, I forget what they're called. But it makes it seem like this, like, awesome thing. And everyone's like best friends and like having like a great time with each other. And it's, it's so crazy to hear like the other side of things. And I mean, like you said, you're not, like bashing on it. But it's super important that that's that's talked about because i think that just goes to show people like the power of social media when it comes to like we go down a whole rabbit hole of like comparison and stuff like that and yeah. how it's really just like presenting like the highlight tape of a lot of other stuff that's going on behind the scenes
0: yeah i've had actually had a lot of conversations with some of my athletes recently like okay like okay competitive series changed um i've been training you for a few years i know what you're capable of Um, I think we're still out a little bit from where we need to be. What are your goals now? Making it to da, 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 da. And in my head, I'm looking because I've been there and I'm like, unless you're winning the CrossFit games, what are you doing? Like, um, are you familiar with James Fitzgerald? OPEX guy? Yeah. Yeah. So he always talks about participating versus competing. Yeah. (laughs) Like people are participating. They're not competing. Like you're not, unless you're top five, top 10, like you're not competing. You're just participating so i'm making this argument here with a lot of my athletes and um when i get in this conversation to where i'm like what are we really doing what are you chasing are you are you looking to go and just participate are you willing to put your body through the ringer because that's what's going to happen oh, for are sure. you willing to do that to yourself to your hormones to your joints to your structure to your mind are you willing to do that so that you can go and participate and if the, if if the answer for that person is yes, that's what they want. Then let's go. Let's do what we need to do to get there. But um, when you when you put it into that perspective, like it is if that's what you're trying to do, or if that's not what you're trying to do, then we need to do some uh, some digging on like what it is that you're. Trying to do. Some of them doing doubles and triple sessions, is it really worth it?
1: Yeah. For sure. No, that's super important to just, like, figure out what it is that you actually want because so many people think they want something, like, whether it's winning a CrossFit competition, whether it's getting a six-pack, whether it's, like, being a starter on their basketball team, whatever it is. But, like, the reality is, like, the outcome's not going to make you ha- any happier if you don't really enjoy the process of
0: it. Mm-hmm. No. So, yeah, so that's um, – man, it's, <laughs> I have this conversation with somebody in my gym, Athletes, coaches probably about once a week right now um if you if you couple the change in the the year with um my experience you know two years ago it's um because i've been there and seen what a hollow empty place is it's like i'm trying to save people the trouble because i chased it for five or six years like completely smashing my body um giving up time with my kids and my wife and my family yeah. and um my business go figure when i stop trying to be a competitive athlete my my gym like ten X's, you know, just because I'm now I'm focusing yeah. on my yeah. clients. I get smarter as a coach. My um, my business develops. My ability to serve my clients develops. Like all that changes um, when I realize what I'm re- what I really want versus what I thought I want.
1: For sure. For sure. Yeah. And like, what are, what are some of the, like the consistent traits that you see among like your most successful athletes? Like what are, what are a few just like of the consistent traits that you see among the athletes that you, that you coach that, that are successful?
0: Um a good question. Yeah. Good question. So um, across the board, the people that have made it to the highest level, um, and I'm going to say this, like I hope this comes off right. Like they're dumb mentally. And when I say they're dumb, like they just have this ability to, um, to persevere and to make their mind do things that they, that most people can't do. Yeah. Like even though they like we've all seen that person that finishes a workout, rolls around on the ground, makes a huge scene. Um, whether, for most people that's actually real. That's just the expression of how uncomfortable they are. Uh, I would make the argument you shouldn't feel like that every day, but that's another podcast. Um, uh-huh. so, you see the people that do that, but the athletes across the board that have made it to, to the highest level, you don't see that. It's just they're stoic that there's, there's a calm in the storm. Um, so that'd be number one, just their their mental capacity to handle discomfort and to persevere is very high. Um, number two is that they um, they have this amazing positive self-talk. Because like where I used to compare myself with these athletes of like, I want to be – Um, wow, this person's amazing. They were like superheroes to me, right? The athletes that I've trained that have made it to the next level, they viewed themselves with them on par as peers since the very beginning of training Um, to the point where even me as their coach at one point in time, I was like, are you, you're comparing yourself to who? Like you're, you know what I mean? So um, their mental capacity to think that they're on the same level as the higher level athletes um, is already there. Um, And then if we're talking about just physical attributes, um, they come in with good flexibility and a good base of strength already. Um, and then they have an aerobic base that, I mean, across the board, that's what all of the athletes that have trained at the highest level have. Uh, I'd love to actually see, see some statistics on that or like, what are some numbers, um, that people do already when they come in? But you know, Matt Frazier, winner of the CrossFit games for like the past 25 years or whatever, like <laughs> yeah, he had a, he was a, a junior Olympian before. Yeah. Um, Catherine Davis daughter was a high level gymnast. Um, uh Tia Claire Toomey is a high level weightlifter um but she had a background in sports before that like everybody comes in with a certain level of ability before they ever make it to the highest level the the years of uh there's obviously there's athletes that are doing that are uh, did come into CrossFit developed as a CrossFit athlete and then competed the games but the amount of those people versus the amount of people that come in with the attributes that I said they have um are very different um So across the board, that's probably, and I hope I'm not missing anything, but uh, if if I were to um, give a, just a,
1: you know, uh, a shot in the air and throw stuff out there, that's what I think people have. Yeah, no, that's great, man. And you touched on it a little bit um, with the the going hard every single day. And that could be a whole, that could be a whole, like you said, that could be a whole podcast, but just like real quick, like realistically, how often should someone be going balls to the wall trying to like, just do the do it like go as hard as they can because i think that's one of the most common downfalls of of crossfitters is they try to leaderboard and they see the times up on the whiteboard and they, they want to get that best time they do that every single day and they leave the gym feeling just completely drained every single day and they wonder why they're not making any progress like three weeks later so like you talked on why people shouldn't do that every single day and just like realistically how often should you go in with the intention of okay i'm gonna really push it today of course it's individual but just like as a baseline
0: yeah um it it is highly individualized some people can do it more than others and do okay with it um (laughs) any crossfitter listening to this is gonna have their mind blown once maybe twice a week that's it i mean like you um now it's taken me like close to 10 years to figure that out. Uh, so like, just don't like, don't think that, um, I came to this realization. I knew everything forever. Like I completely figured this out like after a few years of doing it wrong. But, um, we think we're going into the gym. We think we're hamming ourselves and we're training all of our di- different energy systems and stuff like that. But, um, across the, across the board, if we're talking about what are we really training when we go in and we kill ourselves every day? We're just teaching our body how to slow down. Maybe we're increasing our mental capacity. um, But like you should just only kill yourself in the gym once, maybe twice a week in general for most people, because um, everything we do in CrossFit is is like glycolytic work, man. We're in the same, we're we're pushing, we're stopping, we're pushing, we're stopping. We're working the same energy system every single day. And you're right, for a lot of people, um, they make it to a certain level and they stop. And they continue to get better or that they continue to stay where they are for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, like for instance, I've taken a step back uh, and I'm using myself as an example a lot because I'm, I'm, I'm actively going through some of the stuff that you're talking about right for now. Sure. Um, I've taken myself back a lot and I focus a lot on movement quality mobility. I do flows for warm up instead of six years of work or six hours of banded stretches before I jump into my first lift. I don't do any Olympic lifting, Carly at all anymore. I don't do barbell cycling in my workouts. Um, But the open workouts that I did um, this year, I still was like one of the top five people in my gym every single time I did it. So, and and the the point with that is, is like, now I maybe push myself to failure or to that laying on the floor dying point once or twice a week. Now when I do workouts, uh, I'm taking swings. That's it. 80, 80 to 85% ish of effort. And, um, I'm paying a lot of attention to how I'm moving. And it's crazy how now I can tie my socks and I can tie my, tie my socks. I can tie my shoes in the morning and yeah. not being a ton of pain. Um, <laughs> I can put my pants on without having to worry about my back stiffening up on me. I can sit for long periods of time and record podcasts without my back locking up. Um, and it's because now I'm not killing myself every day. Now I am um, taking those practice swings per se, focusing on moving well first. Um, And it's actually something I'm struggling with. Like if any of my clients listen to this, they are gonna, um, and they're already starting to see it. We're starting to shift to where, um, we're using a lot of like functional bodybuilding type stuff, a lot of accessory type movements. Um, (laughs) You don't see max too often in our programming anymore. Yeah. Um, But it's because as I become enlightened and as I learn, what is actually better for people. I'm starting to shift that the next shift is going to be shifting my programming, um, away from people going balls to the wall every day. And for some of them, it's going to be hard because they're used to dying every single day. Um, but the ones that do stick around and stay with it are going to see some pretty amazing results from it because I, I you've got some, you've got some in the camp that say like outside of CrossFit, they say that it's bad and it's killing people and it's going to, you know, Make people die essentially, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> that's not what I've seen as a gym owner and as a person who uses CrossFit. Like, yes, um, I am a CrossFit gym owner. Um, I started primarily as a CrossFit coach. Now I look at CrossFit as a tool and then I blend it with other stuff. Like, I'm a CrossFit gym, but um, <laughs> you come to my gym, we're doing bench press, pin over rows, we're doing strict pull ups, we're doing unilateral work. Uh, we talk a lot about nutrition, and, and those are things that are contrary to what a lot of other gyms are doing. Um, so on the outside, we look like your traditional CrossFit gym. When you come in the doors, it's not it. And the last thing to change is how we approach conditioning. Um, I haven't figured out how I'm going to teach people how to pace or to get on board with the, you don't, (laughs) it's actually not good to have trouble sitting down and standing up. Yeah. Something you should do, which is where a lot of people get it wrong. And like, um, a lot of people perceive like I, I'm, I'm sure you've seen people in the gym that you're training at. How many times have you seen a client go up to the owner of the coach? Like, Oh bro, that workout completely killed me. So awesome. It was the greatest thing ever. Um, I've had clients come up to me and like that workout absolutely killed me, man. Thanks. Nice workout. High fives.
1: Um, you're in your head. It is like, no. in my
0: head, I'm like, ah, oh, I shouldn't be giving you that. Um, <laughs> but we're always playing that line, right? Like, I, I don't know yeah. if you're familiar with uh, Eric Helms, but he has this training pyramid and at the bottom yeah. is adherence, right? So I have to make sure that even when I make this switch, um, because I'm playing this line of like, what are people gonna do and wanna do and be excited to do versus what they should do? And I have to blend those two. And that's For where sure. I'm having to be right now.
1: Yeah, I know. As a coach, it's walking that fine line between like pushing just hard enough and not going too hard, especially when working with athletes, because like to an extent, you do have to push yourself to that limit. You yeah. like as, as much as you can handle without going completely overboard. So that's definitely tough. And the, the whole adherence thing too, it's like, there, there's always those people that like, just, just want to come in just to get their ass kicked during a workout and like breaking through to like have them understand that taking a step back and going a little bit more slowly is actually going to benefit them. I, th- I think the, one of the funniest things that I've seen, like, in my time, like, my short time doing CrossFit is, like, whenever they say, okay, this one's, like, going to be aerobic pace, never ends up being an aerobic pace. I I was, do, like, like, aerobic. Like, Everyone's, like, on the floor at the end. Yeah, so like, I'm like, pretty sure that wasn't yeah. aerobic. But Yeah, and so, like, let's not
0: get it. Like, I don't want to make people think that, like, can you get in shape doing CrossFit and laying on the ground dying like that? A lot of people can, and that's yeah. why, like, um, I'm not going to sit here and say that it doesn't work because it has worked for me and a lot of clients that I've trained. Um, but I'm all, I, just because it works, doesn't mean it's the best way. Like it's not the sure. best way for something to work. And that's, and that's the, uh, like I, even, I haven't figured out how I'm going to get people to understand what I'm trying to do for them when we do make this switch. Um, even some coaches that program for me, I don't know how I'm going to get us all to where we need to be because what we're doing works well for most people um but what if what we did didn't just work well for most people but it worked well for everybody and that's the that's what we're really trying to work towards and and when i conceptualize that and i figure out how i'm gonna pack that up and and give it to everybody um we'll be on to something
1: yeah i know and it's like it's like if you look at like for example if it fits your macros for for nutrition like sure does it work yeah but is it the most optimal thing for you to be doing all the time? Probably not. Probably not. Like, it's one of that's it's it's one of those types of things. And yeah, like if someone's getting shredded eating like fucking pop tarts and donuts all the time, you tell them, you know, you'll you'll still get shredded eating like chicken rice and broccoli, and like you might feel a little better too. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay, dude, I'm a, I'm a keep eating my donuts. Yeah. Like, for sure um how about like kind of on that on that body composition um topic like what if what if someone comes to you in like let's say they're a competitive crossfit athlete and they're at a point where they kind of want to make some body comp changes let's say they want to lean out how would you go about that because that can be a little bit of a tough one just like the level of intensity you have to fuel enough to like give enough food to fuel performance, but you also have to be in a calorie deficit to lose fast. So, like how would you go about balancing, balancing that? Is it sort of like a lesser of two evils thing? Like you kind of just got to deal with the calorie deficit for a little bit or how would that, how would that Well, work? I think
0: like this goes to that triangle, that the triangle awareness that Jason's for always about, sure. right? So it, I think it comes down to like where are they at in their season?
1: Um, yeah.
0: Like, now I have some athletes that have realized that, um, training for the highest level, isn't something that is obtainable right now. So they're focusing more on like the local competition. So if we are periodizing their training towards a certain event um, and it's really, really close, we're not trying to lean out. It's just not going to happen. I'm not going to yeah. allow that to happen because um, what they're trying to do is 100% performance based. Um, sure. And because it's performance based, I'm not going to put you in a calorie deficit. I'm not going to take carbs from you. We are not going to sacrifice recovery for sake of aesthetics. But if we're, if we're not near an event, we're, um, in per se, like an out season or not out season, um, we're in like the the down period of the season. Like, yeah, let's, you know, let's get your body fat down a little bit. We can sacrifice some recovery. Maybe we'll pull back on the, um, the aerobic conditioning a little bit. Maybe we'll pull back on the volume of the strength a little bit so that you can make those composition changes, but it's going to come down to a conversation of, um, where are we at in our season? What are we gearing up for, Um, And then making sure that we not only periodize your training, but we periodize your nutrition along with that. Um, And and the good thing about like a lot of what I've done as far as like shifting how we do things in my gym is we've gone almost completely away from like a general competitive atmosphere type programming to where now everybody is extremely individualized. But with each one of their programs, um, they each have either myself or some other of my nutrition coaches in my gym. And now we're able to work with their nutrition, know what they're gearing up for. I can take a look at like, you know, we. Uh, I've got an athlete that wants to compete in powerlifting. Her timeline is like seven or eight months. Well, um, she mentioned she wants to lose five pounds. Well, okay, so the first thing we're going to do is focus on getting your weight down because we've got so much time before we need to really start pushing um, your performance, which is getting stronger, right? So yeah, uh, I think if we have a clear deadline and a clear like these, these benchmarks and these landmarks to where each athlete is going to compete or do the sport that they want to do, especially like CrossFit. Um, yeah. they're, they're, the convers. we're not even going to have that conversation. I, I won't have that conversation with somebody to where I'm going to let you lean out and try to compete at the highest level. It's just, um, my integrity won't allow me to let that happen. hundred yeah. percent.
1: No, I, t- I totally agree. And it, it comes down, like you said, periodizing it, like period- mm-hmm. periodizing your training, you got to periodize your nutrition too. And like that preseason or the in-season, like, so for a CrossFit or, like, your competition, like, you don't... Like you definitely don't want to go into a calorie deficit or something like that going into a comp. That's, like, literally the worst thing you could do. You're not feeling properly. You're not going to recover, all that good stuff. So, definitely, like, I 100% agree with your approach there. Like, just during the off-season, like, if you're going to... For any athletes that are listening to this, if you're going to make any sort of body composition change, like, let it be during your off-season. And it comes down to, like knowing what you really want to like the triangle awareness, like, we Mm -hmm. talked um, like I usually like to filter it through, like is getting leaner going to help you perform better? Like by the time competition comes comes around again. Like if the, if the athletes main goal is, is to perform like that, then I'll I'll filter it through that question. Like is getting leaner, is chasing this calorie deficit, even though we're in the off season now, is it actually going to help you by the time the next competition comes around or are you just doing it just cause you want to get leaner? Like neither is wrong. You just have to like know the consequences of that. Cause if you just want to get lean just to get lean, sure, you can do that, but you're also sacrificing time that you could be spending improving your performance.
0: Right. Right. And so, and, 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 <laughs> and I, I worry sometimes that like, my, my outlook on things has completely changed within the last two to three years. Um, I used to be completely guilty of like, okay, you know, CrossFit, we, we used to be a very precise season. CrossFit open was going to come in, you know, February, March of every year. So I would spend, um, like the the back half of December, January trying to get lean so that I yeah. could be good for the gymnastics movements. But <laughs> little did I know I'm sacrificing my performance. And then, he, yeah, actually Jason Phillips was the first person I heard talk about it and he was like, you know, um, the last thing you should be trying to do during your season is trying to lean out and worry about your aesthetics. Um, And and it's so silly because when you think about it, like, Oh my gosh, no duh. Like if I'm going to sacrifice, if I'm going to put more stress on my body through this diet or this, this, this cut per se um, to, for aesthetics, which I have a performance based goal. When you like, when you, when you cut it and you make it look uh, take it to the simplest form, um, it's, it it's even hearing myself say, it sounds so silly. Um, I had a aesthetic, I had an aesthetic, uh, plan for a performance based goal. Like, doesn't that sound silly? Like it's, an, it's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, it kind of just, it's opposites. Yeah. And a lot of people don't take that. Like, again, <laughs> coaching as its value. I, me as a coach oh, now, I'm going to tell my client, like, you're like, listen to what you're saying. It doesn't make sense. And then they can, they can come to that conclusion before they spend three years trying to do it the wrong way.
1: Like I did. Yeah. No doubt, and like you kind of have to weigh out the pros and the cons too. So if you're like, oh, I want to get leaner for like gymnastics or whatever, like, okay, how's that going to affect your strength? Is like the the con of losing all that strength going to like is is, are the pros of being a little bit lighter for your gymnastics movements going to outweigh the cons of losing the strength that you're going to lose because you went to the calorie deficit.
0: I'll give you a perfect example with that. So th- there was that open workout a few years back with, um, and I don't know how much you've gotten into it. You mentioned you've been into it a little bit. So there was this workout that had 25 toes to bar. Um, it was like hundred double un- or 25 toes to bar, hundred double unders. And then it was essentially like a ladder of squat cleans. Okay. Now, this is me in a deficit, right? For that toes, the to bar, right. Jesus. And there was a bar in that workout that I in the, um, in the off season could easily clean touch and go for reps yeah. in that open, I was getting buried by it. Right. <laughs> so I got lean for the toes of the bar, but couldn't move the barbell because of it. Um, and, and I, I don't even know that you could say that I got that much better at toes of the bar being, you know, seven yeah. or eight pounds lighter. So, um, I, I'm living proof that it does not work and you should not do it. Um, had I had a coach that was like, nah, bro, like, what are you doing? Like, it's insane. Yeah. It's if I had that person, I wouldn't have done that. But, you know, I'm getting buried by a 225 clean that I could touch and go during the off season, um, at the, or, or for the purpose of being able to do, you know, 15 to 20 toes to bar without yeah. having to stop. Um, and I yeah. completely sacrificed my performance to look lean for gymnastics or to look lean and to be better at gymnastics moves. It just didn't make sense.
1: Yeah, I know. Like when you like, I'm sure like when an athlete thinks about it, like in their own head, and in a weird way, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. But like, like you said, when you lay it out, like in the simplest form, it's just like they're completely conflicting goals. It's 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 so it's so funny. But yeah, dude. This has been this has been a great episode. I'm sure like any crossfit athletes listening to this, any of the athletes in general are going to get a ton out of it. So just thank you again for coming on. For we sure. Really appreciate it. And just as we're wrapping up. Like, where can everyone find you at where can everyone find more of what you're doing. I know you got a, a podcast going on too.
0: Yeah. So, um, a, a lot of the stuff that I do now is a hundred percent on Instagram. So, um, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at the CF seven C coach. Um, and you can also check out my podcast too. Um, I, it's the, uh, create yourself podcast on iTunes. Um, but yeah, that's mainly the, the two avenues that I put out content. All of my blogs and stuff like that go right back to my website or go back to my gym's website. So um, that's the main places people can find me at.
1: Awesome, man. Yeah, dude. Thank you again for coming on. This is gonna be a great episode and no doubt the listeners are gonna, are gonna get a ton of value out of this.
0: For sure, thanks for having me, man. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show today. I hope you got some value and some tools to take away to create yourself and create a life and engineer it to what you can be proud of. Now, do me a favor. Podcasts live, breathe, and die off of ratings and reviews on iTunes. So do me a favor before you go. Head on over to iTunes. Give me a five-star rating and review. Tell us something that you love about the podcast. Talk about guests that you want to have on. In general, we just want to get some feedback and know how this podcast is going and if it's helping people. Now, thank you, and we look forward to talking to you next time.
1: This is the Create Yourself Podcast.